Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Unshackled Liberty. This is Q, the abolitionist. Crypto Gumbo. What's up, everybody? So we got a buddy of ours from, uh, well, we, we met him in, in, in Hawaii when we, uh, when we all lived there. His name, his name, well, I'm not going to tell you what his name is. We're using Johnny Panda, but uh, you can rest assured that his parents did not name him Johnny Panda. But uh, so we're going to be talking about a bunch of things um, with regard to the early church and how we draw parallels to modern church and how we see some of the problems with Rome and and uh, kind of draw the line of comparison with uh, our central government here in the United States and, of course, other other uh, other parts of the world as, as well, briefly. But um, so what do you think about the conversation we had, Gumbo? How do you think that went? I think Panda was spot on with many different topics, and uh, we should have him on a lot more because I, I agree. he seems like a smart little panda. And we, we actually have Johnny Panda here, uh, if you want to say something. He, he, he decided he would do the intro with us. So uh, what's up, bro? What's up, guys? <laughs> so we're, we're, uh, we're just kind of going through it. I, I think Gumbo and I shot a couple text messages back and forth about some things we want to talk about that's not related to the topic that that we all talked about uh, for the last hour and some change, but let's talk about Florida for a second. Gumbo, your neck of the woods. Sure. Okay. What's going on with this? Don't say gay law. Oh, you mean that, that law that says don't say gay that ha- does not say it in the law. Oh, doesn't yeah. say gay anywhere you know, in the you law. Know, you know, don't, don't be a, um, a pedophile sympathizer and uh, <laughs> don't teach kids about sex whenever they're too young to learn about sex, that kind yeah. of stuff. So like we, the we wrong should... type of sex. So <laughs> <laughs> you mean that well, one yeah that one that one should we maybe have it called don't teach children about sex if they're not your kids you filthy pedophile law I, is that, that the one that's the one that's the one <laughs> yeah you know what uh politicians are who they are but if you're gonna do politics DeSantis, thank you sir for doing that because <laughs> that's a good thing to, to to put out there you know that was a good good move i'd like to point out that you can't the state schools can't teach your kids about pedophilia if you don't send your kids to state schools yeah you know, um, it's so. pretty, pretty, pretty common ground that uh, public schools is they're going to indoctrinate your kids. Yeah. They're going to crush their brains. We've said it before. The state wants to steal your children, you know, and it's no it's no uh, it's no coincidence that they're trying to groom your children to be OK with pedophilia. The same time they're they're putting in a uh, new Supreme Court justice that is a, a pedophile apologist. What's her name? What's that girl's name? Miss uh, Miss Jackson. Sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> but uh, anyway. <laughs> She, she is a woman, but, um, does she know that? Well, no, because she needs a biologist. She's so, so yeah, uh, I think she's married with children as well. I'm not so, a mechanic I mean, dude, but I know what a Ford is. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a mechanic, you know? <laughs> but I, 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 I'm a dude. I know that. I know. <laughs> so, so it's been a long time since we put an episode out. How you been? You been okay? I've been fabulous. Uh, God, give me another day and I'm going to roll with it. That's good. That's good. So I think I think we've kind of uh, do we need to talk about anything else? I think we hit our notes here. Yeah, we hit our notes. So there's a lot more coming though. We, we we've been out we've been out for a while, but uh, you know that happens gonna, from time to time. We're gonna put Johnny Pan on the spot again. Un- unmute your microphone for a second. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, enter- we're entering into a, a segment called Q Tips. Do you need any advice about anything? If you ask me, I will give you the best advice possible. Is there anything you're working through, working on in your life that you need some expert oh, advice? Man. I'm an expert advice giver. I need to find a hobby. You need to find a hobby? I need to find a hobby. The best hobby in the world is 3D printing guns. Next <laughs> question. 
<laughs> Next I mean, question. I, I was uh, going to say, learn to play the ukulele, but you already probably know how to do that. But No, I've been bouncing around. Like, I want to try to get maybe, like, into, like, uh, growing microgreens. Because I've seen That's that cool. there's yeah, some, yeah. some serious money in that. Um, right there on and, your but, lanai, man. Chilling in the yeah, hammock. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. I've been, I've been kind of dabbling a little bit in that. Um, I've also been trying to think about this whole Bitcoin thing. Um, oh, cryptocurrency. Crypto? Yeah, cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one, too. That's fun to play yeah. with. That's something I've been kind of trying to see if I should dabble in it. You should, you should print. You should 3D print guns and sell them for cryptocurrency. Man. <laughs> that, that won't get you in trouble with anybody. I promise. <laughs> Hey, that, that's the this most is not, thing this, I've heard you say in a long time. This is not legal advice. Don't don't follow. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. That's probably not a good idea. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, we're gonna get started. Yeah. Enjoy this wonderful episode of Unshackled Liberty. And that's it, dude. That's how we do an intro. That's wow, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty cool, man. You guys are okay. hilarious. You think so? Yeah, hey everybody. We are uh, we are joined by uh, by Johnny Panda. Johnny, who are you, and what are we talking about today? So uh, my name is Johnny Panda. Um, I'm a pastor here in Los Angeles, and um, I'm a seminary student, a Bible college graduate, ordained minister. And today we're going to be talking about uh, some parallels uh, to the early church persecution and how that uh, their response to that and how that's uh, somewhat similar to uh, different types of, I would say, government overreach and how the church is uh, uh, responding to that today. I think when, when we first came up with this topic, Gumbo, you're going to, uh, you probably weren't, weren't part of the conversation, I think. Um, but we were, uh, you came out to visit us, right? We had recently moved the abolitionist family. We had just recently moved to San Diego. And I think I was taking the boy camping. And was that when you came out to visit us at a campsite? Yeah, yeah, we were out camping, and um, we were down in San Diego for my daughter's birthday. Yeah, and we just and we just started we just started kind of flowing a little bit about different ideas and different things because I knew that we wanted to get you on the show uh, because you have some very interesting insights. And we we were deep still at the time deep into the coronavirus pandemic, and we were all we were all still you know with quotes wearing masks where we needed to and. Uh, we were all still like considering a vaccine uh, and different things like that. And, and there were different restrictions on most of that since then that has been, has been lifted. But I remember talking about this with you and thinking this, we should definitely have a conversation about, you know, drawing parallels uh, with the early church, the early first century Christians, the Roman, you know, the Roman over, you know, basically the Roman tyranny. Well, I don't know if you want to call that or use that word, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Roman, uh, you know, 
the Roman government reaching, yeah, reaching too far into the lives of the early church. And we know how the early church, we have stories upon stories of how the early church was persecuted and stuff all the way up to the time of Constantine until he, with, with quotes, Christ, Christianized the Roman uh, right. empire. But, uh, you know, with quotes, of course, because there's discussion on whether or not that was legitimate. But um, and, and I think we were kind of having that conversation because at the time um, we were starting to see churches that were being affected by the, uh, by the government uh, over um, how they worshiped yeah. and when they worshiped and like what kind of worship that they could do. And whether we, like we were even talking about like, for example, religious exemptions for the vaccine. Yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of personal belief was starting to get woven into this pandemic and a lot of, a lot of um, parallels to, how the government was starting to treat people's personal beliefs. Yeah. And so I think that's how this, how this topic kind of came to be. And so we want to kind of, you asked me to kind of draw some parallels to, to see how, um, what history could tell us yeah. of how that, how that, how that turned out and how the church responded um, previously. Yeah. And maybe some things that went down that we could kind of learn from. And so, yeah, man, I'm excited to kind of, to kind of look into that today. So let's just jump in then. What what? So in the first century, whenever whenever you know, Christianity was this kind of new new kind of cult at the time, right? We'll say cult because it was right. kind of um, it was That's very the, relig- the religious branded as that. Yeah, right? yeah, the establishment, right? The Roman establishment. Yeah, um, and even even the Jewish establishment too, right? Yeah, they they, they both were uh, in agree in agreement on this that the, that these new Christians were it was a cult. They're a problem. And, yeah, they were. So, what what are some things that the that the that the early church had to do um, in yeah. light of this? In light of this kind of, it's interesting you use that word cult, and so yeah. like, if I you, only use it because that's what that's the historical. Well, no, yeah, that's a historical reference from the from, perspective from their of perspective. The establishment. Yeah. yeah, from their yeah, perspective, yeah. that's the, that's kind of how they. Well, how I wanted made, to right? kind of, I kind of wanted to support that because, so for example even in even in Christ, even in the christian scriptures right so like it's one thing if if like jewish historians or roman historians are labeling um this movement as a cult right or or making it sound weird um but even within the recordings of scripture for example in the book of acts which is a a, a book that's written by christian authors it says that these jewish people um called this movement the movement of the way they weren't always called Christians, mm-hmm. right? They were this separate um, entity that people didn't even really have a name for. Mm-hmm. And so it really comes down to like the history of, of, or with the context of what's going on when Jesus of Nazareth is on earth. Yeah. And so you have to think of all of the, like a lot of people look at it in a spiritual sense and it's extremely spiritual, but there's also a huge historical context that when Jesus comes, when Jesus is on earth, man, like the whole political structure and he's a revolutionary, he upheaves the whole thing, everything, you know, yeah. everything. And you have a lot, you have a lot of different major sects at that time. You have uh, the Pharisees, which were like the religious leaders. They were very based on the Jewish tradition of the law. You had the Sadducees who were more of a, a ruling class. Um, you had the zealots who were the open uh, uh, people who the people who were trying to overthrow the government through they were they were advocating like a violent overthrow of the yeah, Roman occupation. They, right? they yeah. were yeah, yeah exactly, 
And then you have this group called the Essenes, where they were like a nomadic uh, hermit type of sect where they live more in the mountains and they were all about, they were isolationists, right? They were trying to start their own culture. Yeah, um, they the, Were they the original hillbillies? <laughs> uh, I don't know if they were that, but <laughs> like, for example, that's where we get a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls from, <laughs> okay. right? Okay. Like, so like their, their, their groups, um, they, they were very into um, uh, copying the scriptures and things like that. And so Jesus walks into the scene and he says, no, 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 I'm the king, right? I'm mm-hmm. the way, the truth, and the life that no man comes into the father, but by me. So not only does he upset the spiritual aspect, the, 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 the spiritual uh, side of the culture, but yeah. also the political side of the culture, right? Because this guy literally is ushering in a kingdom, a physical earthly kingdom that he is the heir to that throne mm. right and so the people of his day the the, the different sects of his day right that that's threatening and that's why you see in some of these different um gospel writings that that's the accusation that was bringed against him oh he's the king of the jews right he says if you're the uh, all hail the king of the jews right they they kind of throw this back in his face yeah it becomes a mockery yeah it's a yeah. mockery yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so uh, this 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 scene that jesus is walking into um he just he just flips the tables on everybody yeah right and so not only does that take place when he's on earth but then his ragtag crew right of fishermen and uneducated guys they continue that, yeah, right, and they're preaching this this good news, this uh, this gospel about this man Jesus, and the people don't know what to do with him because now this this movement turns from you know twelve to one hundred twenty to you know thousands, mm-hmm. and now these people are are going. And it's a, a literally affecting the Roman society. It's not just something that's homegrown anymore, right? It's affecting the Roman society. And so what we see here is from this point, as we start to get towards the latter end of the first century, is now um, these emperors in Rome, they start to push back against this Jesus movement. Now, there had always been, you know, for example, like, in the early church, people were killed by Jew, by, by the uh, Jewish Pharisees and the Sadducees yeah. and Sanhedrin, yeah. right? Uh, we see in history the Fox's Book of Martyrs and different oral traditions. You know, Peter was executed, Paul was executed. Most of the most of the twelve apostles were were um, martyred, right? So there's a there's a there's a history, a rich history of martyrdom in the church. Um, but now we see specifically as the first century comes to an end. It, stop, it starts to transition from um, Jewish hatred of each other, right, of, 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 of Jewish sects going against each other, right, and killing each other and people who are like, you know, against. Because at that this- point, at that point that there, there was still, it was still very largely a, a Jewish movement, right? Like it was, right. I mean, you had, you had Gentile, we'll say, you know, outreach, you know, to use our modern vernacular, you had Gentile outreach missionaries and things like that, reaching the Gentiles of the world. But like, it was still mostly converted Jews, right? Yeah. Right, right. And that's that. So 
they were kind of fighting against each other. But now what we're seeing is a transition from the religious, you know, the high priests and the, the Jewish persecuting their own to now commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, we see like, for example, like Trajan, right? Mm-hmm. Pliny. Um, these are Roman like commanders that are starting to persecute their, their soldiers. Now we're seeing, for example, like governors, right? Um, it's localized, but it's starting to transition from just a, a Jewish persecution to now a Roman government persecution. Yeah, so it's like it's going from like a like a religious a religious skirmish to a state sponsored yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And what you're gonna it's, see it's, is it's almost it's almost like, oh hey, you're in the military, but you didn't get that vaccine. I'm gonna go ahead and kick you out. There you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and exactly. So what what we're gonna as I kind of go break down the timeline, what you're gonna see is that is the the um the the the, the straw that bakes the camel's back is Christians in the military. Because yeah, that's yeah, it, 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 it's the one it's the part where they didn't they didn't want to sacrifice to certain gods, right? Or they didn't want to um, comply to certain orders, and therefore that makes them a threat now because these these people are starting to infiltrate every part of society, right? So of course, like if, if this movement is growing, you're gonna have Christians who are soldiers, right? And mm-hmm. so if a, a, a Christian soldier is not going to be barbaric and, you know, kill children, or he's going to disobey a command because that command um, violates his belief of scripture, what he thinks is moral, yeah. and he's willing to give his life to disobey you, that's a problem, right, yeah, yeah. To, to these people. And it's, so, it's a problem because it's not just one guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the big, you know, if it was just one guy and it ended with one guy, but what happens is, is, is when you have this this level of, of uh, uh, defiance, it becomes very motivational for others watching, right? Right. And so right. then you start to grow this underground movement, this, 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 uh, well, I wouldn't say underground, but this very real world, well, it's a mutiny. It's mutiny. That's what we would call it. Yeah. We would call it, yeah. this is, this is a, uh, a military structure that is breaking down because of a mutiny, you know? And, and if you understand the, like, and we'll kind of get into it, but it's because Rome was vulnerable. Yeah. They, they couldn't, they couldn't stand for mutiny. Yeah. Right. They had their, their, their empire was crumbling. They had pressure coming from, from barbarians and people that wanted to invade Rome. Mm-hmm. You see, so there was a lot of pressure, especially after the second, first, second and third century, mm-hmm. the, the, the upheaval of, you know, emperors, like, like they went through a ton of emperors, right? Like there was a lot of assassinations and a lot of like just different um, things that it was chaos. And so they needed to have stability. And because this movement was growing so rapidly and it was gaining so much power and just prestige, it was a threat to to Rome's stability tool. Like that's the way its yeah. adversaries saw it, you know? So really the, really the, the tide really turns in that, in that first century with Nero, he kind of kicks off Nero pretty much kicks off the, the persecution and he starts, you know, burning Christians. There's a big fire at Rome and he starts burning Christians um, to blame them. 
And from there, it, Christians kind of become the scapegoat. And we see that like the acceptance of killing Christians at the government level. Yeah. It slowly just starts to get larger and larger and larger. And so a lot of it is localized, right? It's, it's by region and you don't really see, there's an emperor that comes in the scene. Um, his name is Decius, And he actually um, is the one that actually makes the persecution of Christians. He's the first one that actually makes it uh, throughout the whole empire. Oh, wow. So he establishes that he passes an edict and says, Hey, um, we're going to take property. We're going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? So how do they, how do they, so what, what's the process that they would go through to find this, find these Christians out, I guess, would they, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, for us today, it's easy. You go to a church on Sunday and there's a bunch of Christians in there, at least. Right. You expect right. that there's a bunch of Christians in there. Right. So, um, was it a similar scenario in Rome? Did they, would they just have these established, you know, church buildings, these facilities that people would meet at, or how, how did they, how did they figure out who, who Christians, who the Christians were? So what they did was the edict actually was part of the edict was that it was a, um, everyone had to sacrifice. Mm. So the way that they did it was that everyone had to, they had to bring um, their families and they would have to do a public open sacrifice. And the reason why was because they knew that Christians, um, the, the, I guess the, the term is monotheist, mm-hmm. right? They believe in one God, right? The God Yahweh. Yeah. And so therefore that the, the, the emperor would make them sacrifice to the gods of Rome and, or, you know, partake in, um, you know, the festivals or do something that was, that was contrary to what the Christian moral would allow. Yeah. And therefore that's how they would catch these Christians because the people who were Jesus followers, they wouldn't sacrifice. That was the one thing, even the gen because the church now has transitioned from being a Jewish church to a Gentile church. Right. Yeah. Now that, that, that transition has taken place. So a lot of these people, um, being, being, uh, saved or taken out of that lifestyle out of that you know uh cult worshiping ritualistic stuff yeah that ritualistic stuff they were very adamant against it yeah and so that's how they kind of drew them out and they would make and they would uh if they wouldn't sacrifice then they would um make them recant some of them were tortured some of them were killed um and that presented a problem for the church because there was there was three ways that you could kind of get around this, right? You could, uh, one, recant. You could say, oh, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice and the government would let you go. They would, you know, be cool. And they would, you know, you would, yeah. you would be. You recant, you tell them you're not a Christian yeah. anymore. You don't believe in Christ. You're, you're, you, be, you bend the knee. You're, 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 you're done good. with this yeah. and not, and then you're back to doing what the Romans do. Right. So. Right. I mean, you could even, you could have even have stayed a Christian. Right. They would even have allowed you to stay a Christian, but they wanted you to like, like Gumbo said, to bend the knee. Right. You could believe in a plethora of gods. Right. You could, you know, you could even have a favorite God, but it was the fact that they wanted the submission to Rome. That was, that was really important to them. Um, So sounds like we can, we can probably right there, draw, draw a very similar parallel to um, 
where we're at today in a lot of oh, ways, yeah. right? You oh, know, yeah, it's um, the same thing. They don't, it's, they it's... don't mind, they don't mind that you go to church necessarily, but, but, uh, you know, your real authority is in Washington D.C. or your state, your, you know, your state capitol building, wherever you might be, right? So, right. No, totally, and that's why we see, like, for example, the infringement of the government saying, "Hey, we don't want you singing in your worship services." Yeah. Like that's a, to, to me, that's a big red flag because of the fact that says when like that parallel, of how the government is now implying how a person is supposed to worship. Yeah. Like that singing has been a historical part of the church. Like if you look at a lot of early revivals in um, the, the, like the Protestant reformation, the Welsh revival, a lot of these you know, foundational Christian evangelical revivals, a lot of them, the writings have to do about the church singing, Yeah. yeah. you know? And so like for the government to say, Hey, you can't sing in your worship service. We're going to tell you how you can worship. I think is a very, you know, close thing here where like, Hey, you can have church. You're just going to have church our way. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's a problem. And, and yeah, you know, you know. The, sad, the sad thing is during this pandemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, that we're still experiencing to an extent, uh, a lot of churches caved to, oh, yeah. to that overreach. And there's, there's only a handful who are out there that uh, just stood up to it. And um, now we're seeing clearly, I think, after what, two plus years of this, mm-hmm. um, there's only a handful out there that, that stood up to it. So good for them yeah you know i i think i think within like being in the church for this and kind of like seeing that i think that there are there are ways we could have could have been more creative um i don't think we necessarily had to like like totally like what's the word i'm looking for we we didn't looking back now Mm -hmm. i think there's ways that we could have been more um like i don't want to use the word relevant but accepting to the culture in the sense of of trying to be thoughtful yeah right and to people's feelings but then at the same time being creative and how we were consistent in our worship yeah you know what so- i'm saying one of the, one of the one of the, my observations uh, the the churches what I've seen at least here in California there wasn't a lot of this in Hawaii it seemed like in Hawaii everybody was pretty compliant uh, which yeah. which really kind of burned me up um, yeah just just because of the way I'm wired right but I but when when we moved our family to to uh, San Diego area um, I had an opportunity to observe a few different churches and what I saw were the ones that were kind of I don't want to say partnering because that sounds like it's kind of a dirty word, but uh, but finding a way to adhere or doing their best to try and adhere to some of the standards while still maintaining like open air services or uh, right. things like that. They were the ones who were eventually left alone, but the ones who actually um, responded the way my nature is and kind of stick it to the man and I'm going to do what I'm going to do or else, you know, come come stop me those were the ones that were facing like heavy fines yeah. and a lot of, right, a lot of problems. Right. I, I think, like I think the best example of that Q was yeah. uh grace church, pastor John MacArthur. Yeah. yeah. John man, MacArthur's church. Man, 
that's how you do it right there. Yeah. Because they, I'm, they I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with what happened. Well, well, they never shut down. They said no. And they got sued. And then they ended yeah. up getting like a hundred thousand dollar settlement. Yeah. You know, so they actually, they, they actually have a movie coming out. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I forget what it's called. It's a documentary series. Yeah. But they, they, they didn't shut down. Yeah. And so, but see the, the, the prop, the one problem that they're facing now is now they have a target on their back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so be, ground zero. Like, right. <laughs> right. And so also too, like, you know, they, I mean, I don't know necessarily what their community reputation is like, but I mean, it definitely has taken a hit like nationally, right? We know John MacArthur. And so like, I'm not saying those are cons, but definitely like they had, they have to count the costs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To, to doing yeah. something on that scale. Um, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. Every church, you know, has the d- decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of independence. But I know like for me, I think for me, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a nice middle ground where you could still um, at, try to be sensitive and adhere to certain, you know, standards, but also not bending in how we worship let's, and giving up that ground. Let's talk about that a little bit then. So like I, one of the things I've noticed in this, in this two years, and as we come out, I mean, we can all admit, Things are a lot better than they were. We're coming oh, yeah. out of we, you know, yeah, at least yeah. I believe we're coming out of it. And and I and it doesn't mean my tinfoil hat has come off because I, oh, I no. still believe Keep that, it on. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I, I still believe that 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 this whole thing was orchestrated um, as a way, yeah. in at least in part, to see how much they can get. They being the government, right. the right. state, how much they can get away with. And and we've shown them that we've shown them that they can actually get away with quite a bit. And um. So now we see their playbook, right? We've had it. We've had a chance to see their playbook, and we kind of see how they're going to do this. Um, so knowing that, and looking at looking at recent history, last couple of years, uh, relevant churches that have that have uh, faced some significant persecution from the state, those who have kind of maybe gone along with it just to get along, and right. and then and then those that maybe um, maybe they were in smaller parts of the country, maybe they were a little less high visibility but they didn't do anything different and they just kind of kept it going. Um, so let's speculate a little bit. If you can, I'm all of us um, say something like this happens again, the next we'll say the next variant, or maybe it's a new virus, a new problem, uh, a new, a new pandemic or a new thing that is, is going to impact how we worship. Uh, what does the modern new Testament church do to continue worshiping? outside of outside of the reach of the government so i think like from from talking to other pastors and and again being in los angeles it was a lot different yeah dude no Um, and it was a lot i mean stop i'm sorry i keep interrupting you but but hugely different coming and coming from coming from hawaii uh where where it was very compliant to a you know i mean like i told you it was not it was i was Reasonably, I was very unhappy with with how, what I saw from the local churches um, and their level of compliance. Um, then I moved to San Diego, and it was very non-compliant. Yeah, very non-compliant from what I what I observed. Uh, right. So it's, it was like very like refreshing for me. But I know that different parts of the state, like you and I, both have really good friends up in up in the Santa Clara area. Really yeah, good friends yeah. in the Los Angeles area. 
yeah. in places that where they were feeling the heat to be very compliant. Whereas down here, a little bit farther south, you know, near the border, uh, we didn't almost do anything different, right. Right. you know, and and saw almost no pushback. You know, it's you know, funny, and, and you saying that. State. And, and you saying that what you see in the mainstream media and what you're saying, it doesn't match. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're portraying it as if, oh, everybody's lock, you know, lock and step, you know, they're, yeah. they're and, yeah. and, Cal- and California is probably a good, a good area. Uh, you know, it's, it's the most populated state in the union. We have, depending on who you talk to, probably seven or eight relatively large cities uh, right. within this state. Um, and all of them, granted, we're all Californians, and in that way, a lot of very similar. But yeah, there's a huge difference between oh, ur- big urban, urban, coastal yeah. California, valley, yep. rural California, mountain, desert California, way up north by Oregon, California. There's so many different California subcultures, and even within those subcultures, uh, it's you know you have well I, you know you have great you know we talked about urban, but like inner city urban. Yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> inner city, <laughs> any inner city, Oakland, Compton, right? right? Like, like inner city. And then you have like down, down in, you know, the, the, uh, the Chicano cultures of the Southwest and all that stuff. Like right. you, you have so many different, it's a great, it's a great study. I think to see that, uh, how the different groups respond and I don't know, but as, as Christendom, how do we continue our work? I don't, I don't think, Okay. So first of all, even the response between the response between denominations were different. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were like vastly different. Yeah. So I think as a whole, I would say I would I want to say this. The evangelical church, I don't think unless something vastly changes with the death rate, mm-hmm. I don't think the evangelical church would close again. From I who I From who I've talked to, and I'm talking about, you know, Bible believing denominations, um, not maybe necessarily like super conservative denominations, but I mean, Bible believing gospel preaching churches. Yeah. yeah. I I don't think they would shut down again. And I think because of what we've been through and what we've seen and um, how everyone handled it so vastly different, I think now the playbook would be. Unless there was a virus with a huge death rate, um, I think ch- churches would continue to meet because there's a couple reasons. I think the church was um, bombarded at first. It's like hurt. scared everyone, right? Yeah, you know? it, it, it it was hurt by COVID. Yeah. Like think about it. Like we're what about my, me and my pastor were talking about this the other day, but churches that closed during COVID never reopened here in Los Angeles. Like they died. Like the church died. Like exactly. it just, it, it, that's it, it, it what they wanted, doors. you know, <laughs> which is right. exactly, pl- I mean, if you think about who, who, who's the ruler of this world, right? Like it's, you know, that's what he wants. You right. know, he wants, he wants to dim the, he wants to dim the light, yeah. you know, and if you can kill a church that, that that's, he's dimming the light, you know? Yeah. But Panda, you're right though. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of Christians fool me once, fool me twice, but that third time, I don't know about that. We, we do this, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we, 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 we we're not doing it again. You know? Right. I think, I think you, you would see that. And I think you would see, um, you would have varying degrees of, you know, you would have people, I think, you know, you would see people institute mass again, you know, people might institute outdoor services again, but I don't think as a whole, you would see the church, the, the church close its doors again. Mm. Um, unless, like I said, it was something where like 
the death rate skyrocketed and like you know yeah. it's like just so you know, you know this this going through these last couple of years and what happened with churches you know this might be a a, a blessing in disguise it could have like empower right. more right. than you know what i mean like so yeah i think i think what it did and it, it kind of did this with the early church as well but it cat it catalyzed um a stronger movement yeah right it it, it, yeah. it it gave them experience of going through a, a, a trial or a chaos and then coming off the other side leaner and meaner you yeah. know what i mean and there yeah. and you can see that through history right where where the catholic where the where the church is um where the church is persecuted and driven underground right it it it, it grows roots and it right. runs and it runs underground and it grows strength and in places in the in the world where it's not necessarily doesn't face the same level of persecution mm -hmm. it tends to die on its own mm -hmm. um and you, know, you can see that very you can see that very much here just within our united states right these this continental or even you know hawaii and, and alaska as well um places in middle america in the bible belt as a christian i see that a lot of those places are seem to be somebody's not somebody's not gonna like what i'm about to say and that's okay um based off of my observation and i'm well traveled that Bible Belt Middle America Christians are watered down. Um, oh yeah. If you if you if you and that's a that's a general statement, and there are exceptions to every general statement. So yeah. you know that doesn't mean everybody, but by and large. Um, and then you go to the coasts, you go to places like California or Hawaii, where uh, it's very easy to not be a Christian, and and in some ways it's it's a uh, uh, it's a relatively by comparison a hostile environment to be a Christian mm -hmm. here. Um, Christians have a little bit more resolve and a little bit more hardy uh, based right. off of what I've observed. And, and so I wonder those, so we're not really facing the level of persecution that the first century church saw in Rome, in the Roman empire. Um, but within our own political borders, uh, we can see where the heavier the persecution is. And I guess I use that word very, very loosely because it's not, and not as we can't compare it to what the early Christians did or what are what's happening in other parts of the world. Uh, but within our within our own political borders borders here in the United States, uh, those who who see a harsher environment have a little yeah. more resolve. Those who who don't yeah. seem to be a little less wishy, a little more wishy washy, a little more laid back. That that, that persecution could come on very quickly. You know, oh yeah, depending on the climate, right? Like yeah. look at what happened in Australia. Look at what happened. It's happening right now in China with the COVID stuff. And look yeah, what happened right. to Venezuela. It's different, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could come on very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, they talk about um, what is it, the, the the reset, right? They use yeah. that term. And yeah. so, but if you think about it, like COVID was an accelerant, right? You think about churches, a lot of churches that were not technologically savvy, right? Were not online. They didn't have any type of digital footprint, right? They they had to kind of get with the times, right? And so they say that it was an accelerant. But what I really see this, uh, Q, is that it was also an accelerant to trimming the fat yes. off of the church. Yeah, you're pruning. And, yeah. And, and but the tree. In, yeah. In, in these ways, first of all, we look at the church, especially through the early 90s, you know, Rick Warren and Willow Creek, right? Then you come to the 2000s and that Hillsong. Is that, that is, very, what is that saddleback? 
that yeah, Saddleback, Saddleback Baptist? Yeah, yeah, Saddleback. <laughs> exactly. The 40 well, Days of Purpose, that whole thing, yeah. Yeah, you see yeah. you see a very attractional church, right, in the sense of um, what that means is you're trying to get people to fill seats, right? You're yeah. trying to get people to come to your to your church, right? And so what we the, the result of that is you have uh, a consumer-driven church, yeah. right? For example, a, a program-driven, how can this church meet my needs, right? What kind of children's mm-hmm. program does it have? What kind of teen program does it have? Do they have, you know, a surfer Bible study? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's all the, like the church becomes Is there, is this, there a jujitsu ministry, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, it becomes this Swiss yeah. army knife, yeah. right? Yeah. That it ha- if, if, if this church doesn't have what I need, I'm just going to go to the church down the street, right? Yeah. Where like, so what you have is you have a lot of people that were, um, going to church with this consumer mindset. Yeah. And, and now that my, that you can't consume, yeah. right. You couldn't consume for a, a amount of time. So a lot of those people, they just filled their interests with something else. So with that consumer mindset, how's your doctrine? Yeah. Right. Like, what do you really believe? Like, exactly. how's your, how's your, what's your view of scripture? Is this God inspired or is it just kind of a fun little book that you read once in a while? Right. Maybe. Exactly. Is it, yeah. is it, you know, is your relationship with Christ a real relationship with Christ or is it window dressing? What is right. it? What's your doctrine? Like, who are you as a, as a follower of Christ, as a believer, who are you? What do you believe? If you're just there to make sure that, you know, you know, you like the smoke machine and the light show, you know, and you, and you get down to the drums, you know, maybe that's, you know, like yeah. there's, I, th- right. I thought I was going know? to church, but I went to a rock show, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. funny though. Like, like, you know, People will say, you know, pastors say this all the time. What you win them with is what you keep them with. Yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily like, I mean, I'm not against, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm not against different expressions, mm-hmm. right? Cause the church is, the church is vastly different. There's going to be different expressions of how people worship and all that. But w- what I'm trying to get at is, is there was a undergirded mentality of a consumer driven church. And now we see that since that fat has been trimmed, you know, especially here in Los Angeles, people are, people are still kingdom seekers. You think about God says in his word that um, every person has it engraved on their heart to want utopia, to Mm -hmm. want perfection, right. To want the good, like people, you know, they want world peace. They want to end world hunger. They want everything to be perfect. What they don't understand is that's the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's not going to be here. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to yeah. see that on this side of eternity. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's God's kingdom, but there's people who are fighting for social justice and all these different things. They're just putting it in the wrong outlet. And they're looking for something that will bring them to that utopia, to that perfection, to that no sin nature. But what they don't understand is that our world is tainted, right? It's yeah. broken, it's fallen. Yeah. But there's yeah. still those people that want that. And so like for example, here in LA, we're looking we're, we're, we're looking for those types of people and we're looking for people who find the brokenness and want to repair it or saying, Hey, that, that, that thing that you have inside of you for justice, that thing that you have inside of you for equality or whatever it may be, the fact that you want a perfect world, that's a God given thing. Yeah. But we only get Man, that. Well through Jesus. That's well interesting. I've never heard that said before, but that's fascinating. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like, we, we don't need CEOs. We need shepherds. Exactly. Think, yeah. We, and so we're seeing a transition. People are hungry. They want this world to not be broken. And the only way that that is going to ever be fixed is through 
Christ, through that gospel that Christ brings, yeah. that good news that Christ brings, the death, burial, and resurrection. And so what we're seeing now is the church is becoming more intimate, right? Millennials, Gen Z, they don't want a show. They want substance. Yeah. They want to know how Christ is going to impact their world mm. because we're, we're past, we're past deconstructionism. We're pre-Christian, right? Here in LA, you walk down the street, you might talk to somebody about Jesus and they'll be like, dude, you're the first Christian I've ever met. Wow. That's, <laughs> no, so, that's, 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 that's so crazy. amazing to me, right? Like, no, you're not, you're not wrong though. Cause, cause we had the same, the same thing was very common in Hawaii too. There were so many different influences from the East, primarily from Asia. Um, right. That's just the, that's just the makeup of Hawaii, right? It's very Eastern influence. And there were so many, and being from Northern California, from the Sacramento area, which, you know, people jokingly refer to as the Bible belt of California. Um, I, I thought that was, that blew me away. I was, I was amazed by that. There's people that don't know who Jesus is, whether you believe yeah. or not, you know, Christmas, you know what that's about, you know, right. Easter, you know what that's about, whether you're a believer or not, you've heard of this guy before, right? Right. No, I've never heard of yeah. Jesus. I don't even know what Christmas is about. What are you well, talking that's about? The, that's the ploy yeah. of the holidays. Easter, they yeah. think bunnies and chocolate and yeah. Eggs. But I mean, you know, you know what I mean, mean? <laughs> like you know. So I, it, it was, it was, it was amazing to me. Like not in a great way either. That that people in Hawaii and I guess in LA as well, which makes sense because as of how diverse that city is as well. They don't know. They've never heard of this guy. They've never exactly. heard of Jesus. You know. So, so literally, we're we look at ourselves here now, especially after COVID as uh, us as church planners and pastors, we literally, we were talking about this last night. We're missionaries. Mm -hmm. we're, we're sent because the same way that missionaries had to go to a place that had no foundation of, of what, who God is, who Jesus is, what, what the Bible is. They don't, they don't have that in their culture, right? That's what we're doing here in LA. That's the, the kind of work that we're doing. We're dealing with cultures and, and people groups that just have no idea. They don't, they don't celebrate Christmas and think, oh, this is about Jesus's birth. Like you said, they, it's, just, it's not in the foundation, the fabric of how they were raised, how they grew up. They just don't know about it at all. Yeah. Where, like you said, in the South, right, there's still that, there's still that fabric that's woven into their culture. And so what we, it's, it's very similar because you brought that up. It's very similar to the early church and, and the parallel because what you're going to see is after diocletian right after the the great persecution uh 303 ad the greatest persecution that the church has ever had right then at 311 he puts out an edict that says okay you know what um i'm not no more persecution time of peace now what happens is becoming a christian becomes advantageous and you see, you see nominal Christianity take root in Rome. So now we're, now we're starting to see the, the switching right now. They're living in this place where if you're not a Christian, you can't do business. Hey, right? and, and just, just for people listening, edict is like a law, right? Like right, it, a law. It, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I didn't no, know. No, no, no this law. Yeah. <laughs> I figured so, that. Like, so what happens Oop. is it flips to where you're you don't have power you don't have standing you don't have prestige if you're not a christian and so now mm. all these people are converting 
right? They're becoming Christians in name only. That's what nominal Christianity means. They're taking on the name of a Christian, but they're actually not Jesus followers, yeah. right? And so now you have this transition into the Holy Roman Empire, where now Constantine says Christianity is the is the preferred religion of Rome. And so now you've gone into nominal Christianity. All these people they they they've taken the the pagan festivals and they've just slapped Christian on them, right? They've done all these things where now, and is I this, would is this where we say the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah, this yeah. is where we, we 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 put that name on there. Yeah, the Holy Roman okay. Empire kind of, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Hey, what's up <laughs> with all that stuff? I just, I'm making and, um, some people angry. Sorry. Hey, what's going on over there? <laughs> it's kind of weird. Well, you'll, you'll see that's kind of similar to what the, the in, in the South, right? Where, you know, the first generation, the great grandfather was a Jesus follower. Second generation yep. kind of moves away from that. Third generation now is, is deconstructing yeah. and that's why you look at the south the bible belt a lot of it is deconstruct a lot of those people are deconstructing their faith right so they they are a postmodern, uh postmodern culture so that means that they're a lot of them are deconstructing and that's why we're starting to see in our in our moral fabric of our nation is changing because of that deconstructionism in our heavily christian areas but they were it was a, a nominal thing yeah right so i mean that's taken it's it's been a long time but that's where that's how it's kind of changed you see and it's the same um but anyway that's 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 i wanted to kind of bring that that uh parallel there so yeah man like you see that now the church i would say the church that we have today is a more Bible-centered, yeah, right. Uh, a scripture-driven, relational, um, missional church. And by that word, missional, I mean they're more focused on the mission of God than being attractional, right? To attracting people to come in. But it's more of how can I go out and fulfill the mission that God gave to the first church? Yeah. And um, yeah, man, it's it's exciting to be a part of. And I think that the persecution that we've seen, um, and again, like you said, I wouldn't, you know, persecution, but the, the the overreach that we've seen has kind of strengthened that core Yeah. to say, hey, um, like I said, this could change any time and we need to have the, the right, or excuse me, that gumbo said. I got bad. you. I'll beep that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that gumbo said, um, but we're definitely more flexible. Right, we're more. Um, what's the word? We we can see more discerning, and able to we're, go we're with some what's new finish moves. Yeah, exactly. There's some new finish moves. That's cool. So, in in the early church, let's say while they were still being persecuted, while they were still seeing seeing a lot of uh, the transition to that state persecution, when it stopped being a lo localized religious warfare, we'll say warfare. That's not a great word. Uh, you know, religious disagreements, right? Localized between the the, the old Jewish um, establishment and this new Christian uh, cult, what mm -hmm. we'll say. Um, when it transitioned to state-sponsored um, persecution from Rome, how did the Christians survive that? How what did they do to evade, yeah. capture, and and uh, resist that 
that that sort of uh, uh, you know, I guess re- resist that sort of violence from from the state. I'm smiling because so <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, so what they needed to do, we talked about recanting, yeah, right. Um, and when they would recant, they would get this thing called a libellus, mm. which it was a literally a piece of paper, a license. Um, a vaccination card, if you might say, oh. um, that said that they were um, exempt from persecution. Like it was a license to to do business, right? Like you could do business with them again. Literally, they were trying to. They, they could own property again. You're not telling me that there's nothing new under the sun, are oh, you? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And so what these what these Christians would do is. Um, some of them would forge these libelluses and they were, or they would buy them or, you know, some of them were, were martyred. You know, they, they, there was a huge argument within the church. What was the moral grounds, right? Like what was like, it was it wrong to lie to procure this libellus, right? On falsehood. Was it moral to do that, to take care of your family, right? So the church has to go through this dilemma right of and now these pastors are arguing and you know separating from each other because this group says well no you you just need to be martyred and then there's other pastors that are saying no it's wrong for the romans for you to allow the romans to come in and kill your kids right mm. in front of you and you know to kill your to rape your wife and kill her like you need to you need to lie and so there's this there's these different you know sex different groups now within the church the church splinters in that's this moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's... Um, and different people start to say different things. Um, that's where we have the traitors. That's what they're called. The traitors where the people who recanted, do we allow them back into the church? Right. They, 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 re, they, they've aligned themselves with Rome. Exactly. They, they've shown that they're, that their alliance is with the state, you know, more so than God. So do we let them back in these doors? Do we want to fellowship exactly. with them? Do we want to do, can we trust them? How much are they allied with the state? Are they going to go now? Are they, are they informed? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's this whole can of worms now, which is, I, I, again, which is very similar, right. To what we're looking at, because again, you, you have different denominations, different denominations with, with responded differently. Um, to this virus. Mm. And there, I mean, I think that like different denominations and different, you know, Christian groups, they all have a different take on what it means to obey authority, what it means to obey government. Right. Um, the more, I would say the more Baptist, right. Has it, the more Baptist denominations have it, um, in their foundational documents that there's a separation of church and state. Right some of the early congregational government churches, you know, they're, they were founded on this idea that the state could not influence the church. And so you have different churches that are responding in different ways, just like in the early, just like in the early church. And there's this huge argument now, and it's yeah. still going on today. Like how we responded to this chaos, a lot of pastors we've, you know, and it's not just COVID, right? Because you think during COVID, we also had, um, you know, the different the different uh, uh, social justice issues, mm-hmm. right? And that was another thing that was a huge divider: how the church should respond 
to social justice issues, right? We have, well, we the, have the, so, so, <clears throat> I think the, for that, it's almost like the church. I mean, the ground is level at the cross, right? right. There, there's right. no, there's no one better than anybody else. God is not a respecter of persons. That's the ultimate social justice. I think respond um, with love. Yeah. With the well, truth. And I, I didn't, I knew you were, I know you were putting that out there, not to answer, not to try and get an answer out of this. And I'm not sure if we can, can even answer that because what, to me, what's the position of the church or what, what's the position the church should have with regard to social justice is like we've always done. Right. We, we it's, love, we love each other. We love right. everybody. We, right. you know, we, we're here to be, uh, you know, a light in this dark world to reflect the love of our God and to, and to reach the lost for Christ. Like, and that to me is the ultimate answer to social justice in this world. When we live like this, where we realize that everything is just a vapor, right? We're all gone, you know, you know, a hundred years, right? Like, I mean, like that's, that's very generous. A hundred, who has a, who's going to live a hundred years? Almost <laughs> nobody, but you say within a hundred years, you're not going to be here anymore. And then there's an entire eternity, right? That's like, what happens now is so much, so irrelevant compared to the eternal condition of somebody's soul. Yeah. You know, that's the answer yeah. to that question. How do we deal with social justice? Well, basically, as the world deals with social justice, we ignore it and we reach out for it. We reach out to everybody. I think I, I don't think it was necessarily the issue of that, because I think we all would agree with that. Right. Mm -hmm. That I mean, we look we look at racism in scripture, for example, um, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter number six and seven, mm -hmm. um, literally the, the, the church instituted men to take care of widows yeah. that were being neglected because of their race, right? Mm -hmm. That these, these Gentile women were being neglected because they weren't Jewish. Yeah. Right. Uh, we see Paul um, to Peter's face, right. Correcting him because of racism, because he was afraid to be seen with Gentiles. Yeah. Right. Jesus goes out of his way to combat racism by going through Samar Samaria, right. Yeah. Which was a, which was a uh, no-go in that yeah. time. They would go out of their way to go around it. Around it, right. Yeah. And yeah. he goes specifically through it so that it's recorded in the Gospels, mm. right? He could have yeah. yeah. done the miracle with a Jewish woman, yeah. but he specifically does it with a Samaritan woman. I think, I think race, I think you're right. But I think what was being, what's being argued is how is that taught, mm. right? Is it, is it through Marxism, right? Is it through critical race theory? It's through none of right? it. It's through Christianity. It's exactly. Through, it's none of it. It's not. It's not a capitalist response. It's not a Marxist response. It's not. You know. It's not any other kind of ism that you can find in this world. It's. It's a. It's a righteous, holy view of the human race that we are all fallen and we're all in need of a savior. And regardless of your skin color, or regardless of your of your ethnic background, regardless of your genetic makeup, or or anything else, you need a savior. And that's. And that's what it is. That's Christianity. Yeah. That's how we answer that question. We don't do it with an ism that we've created or we've, we've, we've put a stamp on in this world. We, we do it with the love of Christ. I think that, that's, you know? oh no, I, and I agree with you, but I, that, that was, and that still is the, the, the argument because some churches, you know, they want to, they want to do it through critical race theory mm. and, and, and politically, you know, that's some the wrong people way to do it. Right. <laughs> All right, or, 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 or through, you know, and so there's, there's that argument there, right? Um, there's that, I mean, equity, come on, man. Well, you know, so that's, like... you know, we're getting it. We're kind of maybe sliding a little bit off topic, but, but that's, that's what happens when the church tries to be 
too much like the world, right? right. We're, we yeah. are called to and, be and different. And teach hate. Yeah, we are called to be different. We're called to be salt and light. We're expected to be, you know, in the world. We've all heard this before, in the world, but not of the world. And if the church tries to be too much like the world, it gets, it gets, we're supposed to be different, man. They're supposed yeah. to look at us and go, there's something peculiar about those people, mm-hmm. you know? And if, and the more we try and dress up like, like this, like this Boston dying world, the, the less they're, the less difference they're going to see in us. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. You yeah, know? Totally. It's, that's, that's been the argument. Yeah. So the same way the early church was arguing, right. That's what, that's what we're doing now. in in, in, in that sense. So like, yeah, you, you had to get a libellus and there, there were people who were, the traded doors and um it's so funny because as i was studying this um through writing different papers and reading different books i tried to put my myself as a pastor in that time mm. right and so the majority of pastors the majority of pastors um showed grace the 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 overwhelming response to the traded doors or people who recanted was to allow them back into the church. That was the, that was the big, that was the that's big, the, um, yeah. That's but on brand. Were, that's, that's on, that's hundred percent on yeah, brand. That's I the mean, way to do it because that's, I understand yeah. the reservation and I would have, I would have my own reservations. I, I know exactly who I am. Um, but that is on, <laughs> that is on brand with Christianity. The, the, uh, w- forgiveness of if, sin. If, if I come, if I come, <laughs> you know, if I come running to, you know? yeah, if I come running to Q with my vaccination card, said you let me back into unshackled liberty, Q's gonna be like, nah, bro. I'd be like that. Better be, bro. I'd be like that. That better be forged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but you had groups that didn't. Yeah. And there, I mean, again, I think the the overwhelming response was grace filled. But there were people who, like, for example, the Donatists um, in, in, uh, in Egypt and in that area of the world, they were like, nah, like, you're a traitor door? You ain't coming back. And they excommunicated people. Um, there, was a, there's a, there was a lot of differing of opinion. And that, to me, that's the beauty of the church, right, is that um, because we have that difference of opinion, it keeps us discussing these, these matters. Mm-hmm. And because we have such a, a uh, different expressions, like if we're all Bible believers, right. And we have different denominations, but we still all have foundational truths that are on, on par with each other. Then we help each other through these times and through certain chaotic things because of the fact that we're going to be arguing about this and there's going to be level headed logical men that god works through that says hey no that's this is the route we should take and so the church as a whole is like you know the 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 kingdom of god the family of god is going to be arguing about these things and as people see the argument the people the pastors the independent local pastors within the church are watching all these arguments and this and that and this side and that side they're going to kind of forge their own path Mm. right and i think that's very important because if it just becomes an echo chamber, right, then we wouldn't have that balance. And I think that's the beauty of it. That's how God designed it is to have all these varying opinions so that people that the guys that are the, the, the men that are truly the pastors that are truly seeking God can find that balance in the middle 
you know, and really, um, you know, really be able to serve him in the right ways. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Tell me about this uh, counter economy that they had. Oh, dude. So it actually, you know, you know, I'm going to, you know, I dig that stuff. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was going to go there. No. So you, yeah. I mean, think about it. Rome was failing, dude. The denarius, yeah. it was, it was plummeting. They Why? Started to t- Why was it? Because they were taking uh, hard commodities out of, mm. they were, th- yeah, they were, they were turning it from taking the gold out of the denarius. Oh, right? it wasn't, it, the dollar wasn't backed by gold. Oh, I mean, oh the, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> they, they, sorry, keep going. Was it back, they were just, they had printing machines back then. They're yeah, just, they <laughs> They started to dilute what the denarius was made out of, right? Yeah. So yeah. it, 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 it it, it was just, it was, it was plummeting. Rome was plummeting. So Diocletian, when he steps on the scene, right, he does all these different, he does all these different things to s- stabilize Rome. Right. And, and it, it comes to the point where Christianity is like the last frontier. Yeah. It's the last frontier because they, they they made Rome unstable. Some of his appointees um, were saying, uh, that if he wanted to have unity and peace, that everyone had to be under the Roman tradition. That's what he was going for. He had like this mm-hmm. totalitarian government where everything was just going to be uniform and that was going to bring the most stability, right? But what he didn't understand was that during the peace before him, Christians started to infiltrate even his circles, like hit, you know, in, in government and um, all these different things. So what was happening was when the when in the in the earlier persecution before him, when the Christians uh, were not able to do business with Romans, right, with people who had libelluses, well, then they just started doing business with each other, right? And they created this this counter economy. Oh, where yeah, like uh, yeah, like they were agorists. They were just right. black and gray markets, huh? Yeah. So it was, it was, that's, that's what happened. And they, because of that, um, as the tide began to turn, as Christianity grew, then what happens is their wealth grew. Yeah. And, and their economy were, was stronger than the, than the, than the, exactly. Than the yeah. Roman economy. The Roman economy. Yes. And that's why like off, different authors will use that Christianity became an empire within the empire. Mm. And that's why it was a threat. Because they had influential government seats, they had what before Christianity was the uh, was the, the the religion of the poor, right? The 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 Roman the 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 wealthy Romans weren't Christians, right? But now that's starting to flip, and now you're starting to see wealthy Romans who are Jesus followers, right? And to use that wealth to build churches, mm. to build um, uh, different uh, institutions, right? And again, to really uh, to send propel. missionary to send missionaries out to spread the gospel to other far off places, yeah, right. But yeah. also to propel their culture and their way of living. And you have to remember these people didn't uh, the priests, for example, the priests, right? They made their living off of a tithe from the Romans. Yeah. Right when they would participate in the festivals and when they would give to the Roman gods and all that kind of stuff. So you're talking about the, you're talking about the Roman priests, Roman right? priests. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So yeah. if the majority I want to make sure people are, people know because people will confuse confuse pastors and priests oh, all no, the time. No, no. Yeah. no, well they will, right? People will. <laughs> so, they, they yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Roman priests that that cuts their livelihood. Yep. Right, because now since the majority of people in their city is becoming Christian, right? Now these people aren't giving to their festivals. They aren't giving to their to their church to their uh, temples, mm. right? To these to these uh, other gods and so now again that class is coming down so it's 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 totally changing where now the arch the bishops have more power in in different cities than the roman priests Mm -hmm. and that's that's a scary thing for them right because they were the controller of the spiritual temperature of the city you know yeah and so things are things are rapidly changing and this counter economy this counter culture is really what i think give any butterflies yeah yeah scares diocletian and scares his uh his advisors and they say we need to stamp this out see constantine got smart right instead of catching the fly with vinegar constantine caught the fly with honey yeah yeah. Diocletian well, tried to get rid of it, didn't work. Yeah. So you can you can maybe you can maybe say that um there's probably some something to be learned there, right? Yeah, we could probably learn some stuff from these guys. Oh yeah, uh, big time. I mean, when it comes to how to handle how to handle a uh you know failing and persecuting economy and failing and persecuting uh government, right? Because I mean one one leads to the other the um i wonder what i wonder what things we can do now now we have it we have an episode that we haven't released um we'll have to release it before this one uh on christian agorism we had we had a gentleman on to talk specifically about this and we've been sitting on it for quite a while oh, uh, nice. well because gumbo and i have been have been well you know the listeners know this anybody who's 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 been anticipating a late a newer episode of unshackled liberty has been anticipating for quite a while because we haven't released anything in a long time um to the point where you know we we're we're really trying to get this thing <laughs> fired back up and running yeah, and yeah. and this and this episode is part of that but uh we talked about christian agorism we talked about counter economics through the church and i wonder what we got to do within our church. And when I say church, I don't mean like your specific church or my specific church. I'm talking about the, uh, you know, the, the overall, like, um, family of God, universal family church. Of God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want to say yeah. universal church, I know that's a hot, that's a hot button issue with a lot of people, but, uh, I was thinking, yeah, maybe Chris, maybe we'll call it Christendom, you know? Christendom, yeah. yeah. So what do Christians, the greater body of Christ, um, need to do to help secure a counter economy because uh, it is coming down the pike, you can see it. If it and as we as we kind of come out of this pandemic, um, with some lessons learned, what can we do going into the next, you know, government controlled, um, you know, fiasco, right? Like to to make sure that we oh, are ready. Because oh, there's that. another one coming. Well, there's there's always you know be right? ready for it. It's <laughs> coming. Listen, there's no doubt my, about you it. You guys know this by now. My tin foil hat is always on. So, um, well, because there's they, like like we talked about earlier, just earlier in this episode is. We've seen the playbook. We know what they're going to do, um, and right. we know how 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 the large majority of the people uh, are going to respond. And it's not, not going to be favorable to liberty. And with liberty comes freedom to follow Christ, right? So, um, 
what can we do? I, this is, I don't have an answer. I'm just kind of tossing it out there. What, what, what can the church do to guard against this and, and build the, uh, you know, underground an underground economy, you know? So from the spiritual side, this is actually something that is a very, um, amongst, amongst, I guess I would say millennial pastors. Um, but I think the first thing is this idea of the clergy laity divide. I'm going to explain that. So clergy yeah. is the pastor please, please do. And, <laughs> and, and laity is the lay person or the yeah. congregation. Okay. And so what we've looked at for years now, even going all the way back to the Catholic church, right. Um, early first century is this idea that the clergy and the laity are separated, right? Yeah. The, 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 the pastor is the one who is the mouthpiece of God and he declares scripture and teaching to the laity. The laity is being, you know, fed, right? We have that yeah. idea that, you know, and so what we're looking at now, and one of the ways I think that we can start to change the perspective and mindset is that every member is a minister. Absolutely. And that I, and that idea is, is that we need to dissolve that early American vocational pastor mindset where pastors can, it can be their vocation, but it's this idea. I think what we're seeing a movement with, especially with younger pastors is, is that the pastor is a gift to the body and it's, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's a, um, it's a part of the body the same way that another member is a part of the body. And that the pastor is the equipper, because that's what Paul says, right? The pastor equips the people to do the ministry that they're called to. And so this is, I mean, I, I know this is kind of sounding like off topic, but I'm going to kind of tie it all together. Is what, hap what happens is when you have the church living missionally, like each member taking ownership, right, of being a minister and not just the pastor being the minister, but the church, the congregants, the laity being the, the, the members, the members being the ministers, what happens is now you have a force uh, to reckon with. It's not just the pastors who are, 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 are trying to uh, be on mission, but now you're seeing the church be on mission. And what, why is that important? Because if you have everyday people in their everyday scopes of life, right, that are focused on being on mission for Jesus and what the mission that Jesus called us to, they're going to in, they're going to affect and influence their spheres around them. Yeah. And so you're going to have Christian businessmen. Yeah. You're going to have Christian doctors. You're going to have Christian, uh, what fill in the blank. And those people, um, are going to know the importance of, Hey, it is my duty as a believer to be on mission, which and is, that's right. Yeah, which is the the Great Commission. Yeah, and that's so, the Great Commission. And and you know, I want to pause here just for a second. You're you're on a roll, but I want to. I'm sorry, I cut you a little bit, but um, oh, you're good. The uh, this is the risk I I see of so many Christians being involved in government, right? Being so supportive of a large government because we mm -hmm. we abdicate as the church so much responsibility to a, a large central government when uh, yes. when we don't when we don't do the outreach when we don't go to the widow's house when we don't take care of the orphans when we don't pick up the people and help the people who need a little a little help once in a while when we right. when we abdicate all of that responsibility to the welfare program to the state foster program yes. to the whatever yada 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 um, yes. now what we've done is we've weakened our testimony we've weakened our our reach in the community we've we've weakened the 
the reach of the gospel just locally right here in our own Jerusalem um, and not, and, and then we've, and then we've sat back and we let Rome do it, we right. let Rome do it. And now that Rome is falling, we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to get to is how do we get back to the well, basics of Christian love in our communities? Not only that, but think about this. If Rome is the person, if Rome is the, 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 the person that is feeding these people, right. And that's mm-hmm. clothing them. Yeah. And that's do- like, who do, who does the community trust? That's the their daddy. That's exactly, exactly. And so of course they're going to be, there's going to be people that are, are, they can't be independent of them. They need them in order to survive. And then they're threatened by anything outside of that. Exactly. So as, as ministers, as each of us being ministers, right. And, and getting rid of this clergy laity divide, we see that the pastor is equipping people to do that ministry, to feed the homeless, to, to, and I'm not talking about social justice type. I mean, I'm not social justice warrior type stuff, but literally doing ministry, right. Um, for the gospel. And what's going to happen is again, you're going to have people who then are in every walk of life who have skill sets, who have, you know, businesses or, um, degrees, and they're going to, influence the community they're going to be community members right and that's in itself is going to start to build mm. that counter economy it's it's going to be a yep. natural thing because if if i have if i'm a christian and i have something that you need right and all this time i've been i've been instead of being so focused on being vocational a vocational pastor but i actually have a skill set or i have a business or i have something that i can trade yeah. right when things get hard and I've been living, you know, in my community and I've been a, an active part of my community. And when they say, Oh, well now you can't be a part of this anymore. Okay. Well, I still have that skill set. I still have that tradable item. I still have that business. So I could still use it. Yeah. You know, and I'm just going to pivot and use that like they did in the early church, right. To do business with, other Christians and not in a way to say, Oh, well you can't do business with us. Right. But in a way to say, well, if they're not going to trade with you or they're not going to allow you to come in, I will, because I don't agree with what, with why they're saying I can't do that. Yeah. My business, my business is open. Yeah. You know, and it's open to everyone. And those, and those, those around us might be closed if you don't have your mask on or you can't show proof of a vaccination or whatever else, (laughs) but my business is open. And we exactly. can do business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is in, in the early church, there was a lot, of, when we start to get to that persecution, there was a lot of people. How did that happen? Because the church was growing. Yeah. So yeah. what's the answer? You asked me what the answer is. It's that the church has to grow. Yeah. Right. There has to be Jesus followers. And that's only live. That only is realized by the, the clergy and the laity yeah. reaching out, doing outreach, being, being on mission for Jesus. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's a good place to stop. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Panda. Thanks, man. I think yeah, this dude. was, this was a solid conversation. I mean, we've, we killed oh, probably about an hour and 15 minutes or yeah. so doing this. Did, did it feel like it took that long? 
No, it didn't. It was it actually pretty quick. It was kind of you're the man, bro. Yeah, dude. So we, I, you know, I, I know I don't, you know, I'm maybe speaking for gumbo here, but I'd like to have you back if we find another topic that, that uh, the trips are trigger. I think this is a great conversation. I'd like to do, oh, yeah, do something like this again. I think but, this um, is just one portion of yeah of so a, many a segues, greater discussion. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's so many, there's so many different places we can go here. So we talked a little bit about the early church. We and we draw a lot of drew a lot of parallels to uh, the modern church and you know, some of the things we're going through. So I think we could probably do that again with a couple of different topics, but um, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have any, any, any outside, uh, you know, projects you're working on or anything you want to, you want to throw down and, and you use this platform to kind of. Um, not, not really. Um, other than right now, we're a part of a team called send LA Okay. And uh, what that is, is we believe in planting churches uh, everywhere for everyone and specifically in the context of Los Angeles. And so um, if you know anyone that needs a church or wants to be a part of church planning, uh, we're with the North American Mission Board. And yeah, that's that's what we do. And so um, we're looking to plant churches here in L.A. for everyone. Everywhere so they, for can, everyone. they can. So what, what's the name of your organization? Again? So you're part of North American Mission Board. What yeah. So so you can go to uh, this is it's nam.com, uh, N-A-M-B, or you could just type into Google send Los Angeles, send L.A., send network. Um, you can just Google that and you'll find some different things, different resources. Uh, you can see what we do um, here in Los Angeles specifically. Uh, we're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I, what me and my family are doing right now. We're a part of a residency program here in Los Angeles that is, uh, it trains church planners, um, to reach greater Los Angeles with the gospel. So I think that's awesome, man. So, um, we're good, bud. I, I, I'm glad you joined us and, and man, you've got, you've got your work cut out for you in LA. That's a, that's a rough place to, (laughs) it's a rough place to reach the lost man, but, but uh, it's definitely a mission field. That's for sure, man. So we'll go ahead and end it here. And um, thanks a lot. Yeah. Mahalo, man.